Hey everyone, welcome to Pieces of You, a show about life through the lens of four fierce and resilient women who lost their moms too damn soon. Each episode will feature stories to inspire hope, healing, and connection. Because if we work together, we can make the broken better. Surprise! We are here with our first bonus episode. This is Erin. You might remember me from last week's episode about friendships. Today we're coming at you with a bonus episode full of interviews that we did with some of our best friends. Each one of us kind of had an outline of questions and topics that we wanted to discuss with our friends. Um, And that's what we did. And it turned into a lot more audio that was just really special to us. And we wanted to share that with you guys and put it out into the world. Uh, We felt that it was too special to just keep hidden away just for ourselves. And so each one of us interviews and has a conversation with one of our best friends. A couple of us interview friends who knew our moms and a couple of us interview friends who did not know our moms and we became friends with after. So you'll be able to kind of hear how our friendships developed, how they've changed and how our friends support us in our mother loss um, in our adult lives. So enjoy, enjoy this episode. Autumn Lee. Yep. I am Christine Freeberg's favorite friend. One of them. The, probably the <laughs> most favorite of them. Um, self-appointed title. I'm sticking <laughs> to it. I met Christine after college, although we were at the same college together and knew some of the same people. <laughs> Somebody might have kissed somebody's husband. (laughs) Anyway. I knew your husband before you did. (laughs) Anywho. So I met you after your mom died. Yes. And I met you right after college, even though we had a lot of friends in common. And that's kind of how we connected. And at first, I think we were both kind of going through it. I, you know, I don't know that it was an instant bond, but then I think we slowly kind of, I don't even know how we ended up like bonding. I don't either. Wow, that's kind of fun to think. I haven't really thought about it. It just seems like forever. It just seems like it's been forever. Yeah. Certainly in our adult life forever, since marriage and all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since you moved back from Chicago, I think mostly that was, yeah. So I met you after your mom died, but certainly always knew you as a person that had had early mother loss. Like I, you know, I knew that that was part of your journey. And I mean, that was that's sort of how you came, you know, and with your sensitivities and all your strengths and the things that you had overcome as a result of experiencing that. I think it was always something I wanted people to know too. Yeah. So I was like, this is something you need to know about me if we're going to be friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that our friendship ever struggled or had any challenges as a result of that. But I think I always knew that there was a space in your life that was present, that her being in this earthly plane is certainly missing. And that void or that space is something that I've been really sensitive to and aware of and, and try to honor and remember and, and, and just be present to, because I know it's so much a part of who you are and what your life is and just trying to hold her memory sacred whenever we can. 
Mm -hmm. just bring her memory to the forefront. So not a struggle, but just an awareness and trying to be as present for that as I can. And I don't know, it's not a struggle, but there's certainly an understanding that there's a sadness that I can't fix, right? And being a a friend of yours and wanting the best for you and always wanting to show up for you and and help you and help you to be happy. There's, there's an understanding in, in friendship where you realize, okay, wait, I can't fix this. I can hold space for it and I can love you through it and sit in it with you, but I certainly can't fix it. And, and that's sometimes hard, but you have always been one of the best at just witnessing and affirming me in my grief yeah. And my feelings around all of the things related to my mom. Yeah. Especially as I've mothered my own kids. Yeah, exactly. And a strength. I think anybody that's experienced early mother loss and, and lives to tell the tale, right, is doing the work, having families of their own or not, has a level of resiliency that's required to come through something like that in life. And I think any humans that really have, have shown up to this earthly playing field with resiliency, no empathy as a result of that, right? Because we've, you know, you feel all the feels and, and it results in a really empathetic energy. And I think that's one of my favorite things about you just because empathy creates a vulnerability and a connection and, and I think then you can really get to some deep levels of friendship, you know, that real unconditional connection when you are vulnerable with each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm great. I mean, I'm just grateful to share the journey with you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, that connection is really only possible because you also bring those things, the re- resiliency, the empathy. Yeah. Maybe like, like humans are attracted to each other, right? Mm-hmm. We both are committed to the friendship because we know how important it is when you don't have a person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe we are each other's people. Mm-hmm. We are. We are each other's <laughs> people. We are each other's people. Yeah. Yes. And, I, you know, I, I didn't get to know your mom when she was on earth, but I feel like I've gotten to know her now. You know, we always joke that anytime <laughs> I have like, any spirit work done or any like psychic readings or tarot readings or any, any reading of any kind or any dabble in the spiritual realm, your mom always shows up (laughs) in like kind of a comedic way. You know, every time it's, you know, the, the medium or the psychic will be like, do you know, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, Oh, again, again, hello. Hi. Good. Glad you're back. What messages do you have for me to share with Christine? Yeah. So I feel like I've known her playfully that way. I feel like early on, I, w- I was jealous of that because I had a couple readings and she didn't show up. And I was like, why does she keep showing up for <laughs> you? I do think, though, that you, the two of you are actually a lot of, a lot of like. Yeah. I don't really know how to explain that, but I think that's true. Yeah. And um, I could see that. I also think I'm not as open in when I've done readings and stuff and you are. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's why she's taken yeah. the opportunity. It can be scary, right? Yeah. So sometimes a third party delivery seems like a better choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for letting me wear your headphones. <laughs> <laughs> you you look pretty cool. I feel really cool. Not as good as me. Though, no, I, I imagine. <laughs> I like the setup. Ugh. 
Well, I love you so much. Thank you for sharing and being on this with us. Thanks for, thanks for being amazing and doing the work. My name is Bethany Brown, um, and Aaron is one of my best friends. Um, and we met so long ago. I always struggle with thinking of how long I've known somebody because I feel like the older I get, and especially with this last year with the pandemic, time has no meaning anymore. So I think we met six or seven years ago. At a five-watt coffee where we were both working. Resident badass baristas. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first met you, I remember <laughs> I had just started and you were like out because you had gotten in a bike accident. And I remember that being really shitty, but I was super intimidated by you just because I was never one of the cool kids, even though I worked in the, you know, the cool kid coffee shops. I just was kind of like, I'm like the secretly dorky one that never really seems to like be in the in crowd with those people. Like they all know me from work, but we're not like real friends, Mm -hmm. air quotes in real life. And so getting to know you more and kind of, I think both of us had to at work learn a little bit about each other's neuroses (laughs) (laughs) to put it lightly. (laughs) Um, but we learned a lot of things about each other that were like, oh my God, this is my person. Like We also learned our share love of 90s country music. Yes. Every, every Wednesday night closing yes. at the coffee shop was 90s country music. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading reviews of the <laughs> coffee shop and people being like, this place is so good, but what's up with the country music? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So getting to know you as a coworker first um, and well after your mom had died. Um, I I don't remember the specific instance in which that came up for the first time. I feel like the first time it came up, it was expressed as like, oh, I've been emancipated since I was 16. Or um, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, my mom died when I was 16. It was, I... I think we were probably talking about college or student loans or something. And how much they suck. Yes. Yeah. And Um, I remember sharing with you that a lot of my school was paid for. Yes. Because of the fact that I was considered like emancipated on my own at 18 because my guardianship ended. Yes. That's what it was. Yeah. So I think the first time that your mom's death came up was in the context of school, which classic, I'm the perpetual student that just doesn't know how to, I'm going to go back. I've been out of grad school for like a year. I feel like I'm going to go back in the womb again pretty soon and go back and get a doctorate degree because I don't know how to do anything else besides go to school. So like learning that about you and having that come up in like little ways rather than like, we're going to sit down and have a serious conversation about your trauma and you know, how this has affected you and just having it come up in so many ways where not necessarily unexpected, but, um, you know, learning how to gradually anticipate whether something might be upsetting for you or you might need a little extra care on certain days or for certain events. In terms of our friendship, that's been important 
I think for me to learn just in caring for another person and caring for my friends, um, like learning how to be a little bit less self-centered. I think that I, maybe it's because I'm introverted, but I tend to, I lead a a deep inner life. <laughs> um, and so it's really easy for me to just kind of like, oh, I'm going to stay at home and never talk to anybody. And I know we've talked about this mm-hmm. too, just mm-hmm. kind of my hermit-like tendencies. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe in terms of s- struggle in our friendship, I don't know if it's necessarily like, oh, we fought about this or anything, but I, I hate you. Your mom <laughs> is dead. <laughs> I've never said any of those things, never. just to be clear. We've never I would like that fight. stricken from the record. <laughs> but just kind of like being afraid that I'm not being a good enough friend, I think, mm-hmm. a lot of times is a fear that I have. So maybe that would be something that I struggle more with. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like... Not always knowing the best way to be supportive. Like, do I ask a direct question? Do I just kind of, like, how do I open this door for you? Because every instance is different in which that stuff comes up. And it's not always, it's not a cookie cutter situation. Like, oh, here comes the dead mom. Let's go get the fly swatter. Like, I, you know what? I, that's a terrible mm-hmm. analogy. But like, yeah, like there's no magic concoction mm-hmm. that I can present to you as your friend to be like, let me assuage this mm-hmm. grief for you every time it comes All up. All better now. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, I think you've done the same thing for me in a lot of instances. One thing that I have noticed directly impact, I guess, our friendship is, I don't know if it's necessarily, like, directly related to your mom's death, but it's definitely, like, more of that aftermath, aftershocks with your family. Mm-hmm. And I've met many of your family members, Mm -hmm. and I love them. I think they're great. Mm -hmm. But I also know kind of the struggles that you have with them, and it makes me really mama bearish. Mm -hmm. And and you know that I've struggled a lot with my family for Mm -hmm. other reasons, too. And so Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit—we're both always talking about boundaries and how do you create Mm -hmm. boundaries with your family. And so I guess I try to be encouraging of you to do that particularly when I know it's hard for you because of the positions you've been put in, Um, especially seeking kind of asylum with your extended family and seeking um, safety in a way that, you know, people take for granted with their blood relatives or it's like trying to figure out how to like support you when you are dealing with your family because I know that it's hard, especially in recent years, because now you're your own person. Like, you're not, you don't have to do things just to be accepted, or you shouldn't have to do things just mm-hmm. to be accepted by your family. Mm-hmm. And what strikes me about that in terms of your mom, because even though I didn't know her when she was alive, is everything I've ever heard about your mom is very, um, like, it reminds me of one of my aunts, actually, my Aunt Tammy. And I know I've mentioned to you, oh, yeah. oh she's my favorite mm-hmm. aunt. Um which, of course, I think says a lot about, like, my imagined persona for your mom. But growing up in a small town and having a mom who was like, they're not going to let you sing Dixie Chicks at the school concert? That's bullshit. Or, like, <laughs> um, you know, just having a mom who maybe embodies a little bit of, you know, our, our early feminist tendencies, mm-hmm. which I know you and I are very, like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I see that and that isn't something that I 
necessarily have in my mother. And so it's weird to say, but I'm like a little bit envious sometimes that you had that with your mom. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I feel like I've had to do a lot of educating my mother about those things. Mm -hmm. So it makes me glad that you had a mother who supported you as a developing woman Mm -hmm. um, and who encouraged you in so many ways to embrace that and to not apologize for that. Mm-hmm. Also, your mom had really good music taste. Absolutely. Uh, and that's also something that you and I have bonded mm-hmm. over. So I know people talk a lot about like, oh, how do you see your parent in you? And I'm like, I see Aaron's mom in these ways, even though I've never met this mm-hmm. woman. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I know for obvious reasons, like this definitely has impacted our friendship not necessarily in negative ways, but just in ways that I think my tendency is to want to protect people um, from further harm. I mean, that's part, I think part of that is like being an educator. Mm-hmm. I'm a teacher for those of you that don't know that, which is like no one on this show. But anyway, um, so my tendency is to want to help people grow into and develop into the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes when I when I see interactions between you and your family members and I get frustrated for you and I have to stop myself and be like, it's not your family. You can be angry on Aaron's behalf, but you don't get to like shout down her family members if they're, you know, being some type of way, mm-hmm. you know, and causing her pain. But I think that that really speaks to like you and I and how like how much of an intimate friendship that we've developed that you know me so well that you know when my boundaries are being crossed. Mm-hmm. You hear it in my voice, mm-hmm. you can see it in my face, you know. You know instantly when they're being crossed. Mm-hmm. And you are there to process afterwards and you're one of my go-to people for processing mm-hmm. this because you know me so well mm-hmm. and we have developed like a very like emotionally intimate friendship mm-hmm. and like I can rely on you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also mentioned you early on in this podcast. Um, you are the only person in my life. I don't think intentionally like it's not sure. like it's not like everybody else hates me you and know? never thinks of me on these days. But sure. every Mother's Day you text me mm-hmm. and you say, how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. And it's important to me that you ask me about me yeah, and you don't necessarily make it about my dead mom sure, because everybody does. You just ask me what I need and Mm -hmm. some years are bad. Some years are fine, but you're there. And I know that. And that means more to me than like anything else. Mm. Seriously. I, I so appreciate that about our friendship. So, and that's, that's the exact type of thing that I think that I struggle with doing is because I tend to be like, I have these weird blinders on. I don't, again, I don't know if it's me being an introvert or just like, sometimes I fear it's this, I'm not very good at, like, that's one of my deep seated fears is mm-hmm. that I'm just not a good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just for you, but for any of my friends, um, because I get so wrapped up in my own bullshit. Mm-hmm. Or like whether it's you know something I'm dealing with, or um, just not knowing at this point, like with the pandemic and everything, I think I've lost a little bit of my ability to proactively communicate with people, mm-hmm. and that's I really like. I don't want to make that an excuse because it's not. I'm always a little bit worried about like 
what else could I be doing? Like, mm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and not knowing am I, if I'm doing enough or if I am like, if I'm, if asking you that even, for example, on a holiday, how you're doing is feels invasive, like in that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, I'm glad to hear that it's not like, oh God, Bethany's sending me this text mm-hmm. asking me about this. I don't want to talk about this. No, you know? and it's never something that I dread. I appreciate it so much. And the re- and the reasons be- behind it are, I'm feeling seen. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling centered in my trauma and in my loss. Mm-hmm. I work a lot on Mother's Day. I mm-hmm. tend to. So like I, I get a lot of strangers coming at me with like, what are you doing for Mother's yeah. Day? Call your mom, blah, blah, blah. Even some people who do know about my loss and mm-hmm. loved ones in my life, they're like, uh, they or they 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 treat it like a pity me moment. Sure. And like I said, some years are good, some years are bad. But I appreciate it because you leave it open to me. Mm-hmm. You're not putting your grief on me. Mm-hmm. You're not putting this expectation of like, well, she's going to feel sad today, or yeah. she doesn't want to talk about it. You're you're asking me how I want to handle it Mm -hmm. and how I want to approach the day and the feeling and the loss. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really important for like people to not center themselves in that grief towards the person who experienced that loss. Mm -hmm. And that is specifically why love that. Keep doing it. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) One of my favorite things about you as my best friend. The other thing that I always think about is your relationship, you're comparing your relationship with your mom and your memory of your mom um, to my relationship with my own mom and how different they are. Like, and feeling a little bit sometimes like, I really shouldn't fucking complain, you know? Like, but the fact is like, everybody complains about their family and there's there's mm-hmm. space to say, I both mm-hmm. love this person or I cherish the memory of this person, mm-hmm. but also like, they have flaws and mm-hmm. those flaws mm-hmm. are real and they still affect me to this day. And there are positive ways to remember somebody or mm-hmm. love somebody and also be like, and they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And like, well, I'm and, a product of that. And, and if, if, you know, if we're hanging out or having a conversation, if ever I did not have the mental space to help you process mm-hmm. that, I would say something. Yeah. Because, we communicate with each other. That's mm-hmm. that's the big basis of our friendship is yeah. honest, open, fruitful communication with one another. Yeah. I would tell you that. And you would probably respond in a positive manner. Yeah. You would say, okay, I'm going to find someone else to process this with yeah. then. Today is not the day for Aaron to hear me talk about my mom yeah. or something. And I think that that says a lot about our friendship that, again, that's this intimate emotional knowing of one another that I can say that to you and you won't be offended mm-hmm. or you can take that and, and not be like, and oh, not, does she hate me now or, or, or are we or not, not close anymore or not or, pressure me, yeah. not, not be like, well, it's just a short story or like, I promise it's not that ba- bad, sure. you know, yeah. not pressure me to do that. So what's your favorite thing about my mom that I've ever told you? You don't have a favorite memory of her because you never met her. But what's my favorite thing about her that I've told you or that you've heard about her? Uh, The story where she found a bottle of liquor in your closet (laughs) when you were a teenager. (laughs) And it wasn't mine. That's the best part. This story I've told you, I I was 15 when this happened. And and yeah, I was, and I remember the liquor. It was 99 bananas. I remember that. I was like, Mm -hmm. the the best detail. 
this banana liquor. 99 bananas. And I remember this. Do you want to tell it? Do you remember that much detail about it? I don't, but I remember this. I feel like I remember the feeling of it and the Mm -hmm. humor in it more than the details. I think that, so you can correct me. So I know your friend gave you the bottle because they were like. To hide. To hide Mm -hmm. it. And you were like. Because her mom was yes. suspicious of her. Yes. Because we had been sneaking out and and partying. And she was like, my mom is keeping tabs. I need you to hide my liquor for me. And you didn't, I don't think you really wanted to, but you kind of felt obligated to. Fucking agree. Don't agree to hide your friend's liquor. If they're asking no. you to hide their liquor, they're not your friends. And I hid it in my closet. And my mom never went into my room. She. And this she, is the weird part. It's like your mom is the was, least invasive person. She was never invasive. She never like read my I, diary. That's she never. My favorite part about uh, her is that never you always, invasive. She would, you know, she'd maybe glance in my room every once yeah. in a while to see if there were dishes in there. But like she was just trying to be a nice mom. Mm-hmm. I had been doing my own laundry for years, but she was just trying to be nice because I was working a lot that weekend, and she was like. I'm going to go get Aaron's laundry <laughs> in her closet. What? Never. Never in my life had she ever done that. But the day after I decide to hide my friend's liquor bottle, she decides. And she, she like, went into, like, this, like, pile of clothes. They weren't even dirty, but I yeah. had, it's it was a strategic setup. I had spent, like, carefully a half crafting. an hour carefully crafting this hiding spot. And she found it and she was pissed. And I tried to tell her, I like, I started crying. I was like, oh my God. I was like, I'm getting blamed for this. And I swear to God, like a year and a half later, she died thinking that that was my liquor bottle. (laughs) I swear to God. She never believed me that it wasn't my liquor. Sure. I was, I was underage drinking, but the point is, is that I never brought the evidence home with me exactly because I was smarter than my friends. It's very true until that day. And I, God, <laughs> man, it was the worst. She died thinking that that 99 bananas bottle was mine. And that, that is. My daughter oh. should have more class than drinking 99 well, that's bananas. that's probably what she was thinking. I she's didn't like, raise she's, her to be like this. <laughs> she's drinking this crap? Ew, God, I thought I raised her better than that. But oh apparently. God. So um, that's my favorite story that you've ever told about your mom. That I also it. just really love that your mom seems like a very free-spirited person. And even Mm. having met your, like, some of her siblings, I can kind of see that in your family as well. So Mm -hmm. um, I I like that about your family and your mom. Mm -hmm. So, Me too. Um, Okay, well, we're done now. (laughs) (laughs) We are professionals. Uh, We're good at this. I love you, Bethany. Thank you for doing this. I love you, Erin. You're my best friend. This is Shadia, and I am here with my bestie. Um, we've never done a pod before, but no, I've well, you've done pod. You're like a pod connoisseur now. <laughs> I am not, on the other hand. And you have the gift of gab. <laughs> so let's begin. <laughs> yeah, tell me a little about yourself. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Okay, um, my name is Becca. Uh, full name Rebecca Lee Morgan. It was Swenson. When I first got to meet Shadia. And now she's hitched. Yep. For a while now. Crazy. Actually, 
quick side note, Shadia made out with my husband before he was my husband. Oh, yeah. I went there. I went <laughs> oh, there. Okay, well, we all went to high school together. <laughs> okay? And it was at a street dance, and there may have been some beverages involved. I'm just saying. It's all good. Yes. Obviously, we're fine. And now we're it. like siblings, so. Yeah. It's just, I just had to say that. That's how small towns work. But, <laughs> yes, I am Becca. And I met Shad when we were in fifth grade. We became besties in fifth grade. I think I knew her like third and fourth, but became besties in fifth. True story. Yeah. Yeah. And you knew me while my mom was alive. Yes. I knew I, I got to spend much time with your mom with sleepovers and such because we started having all of those types of fun things when we were then in fifth grade and she got sick in seventh grade. So it was like two years of... She died in seventh. She died in seventh. That's right. Right. So fifth was when it, when she was diagnosed. Diagnosed. That's right. I remember. Oh, and I actually, I remember you telling me when she was diagnosed. We were at my house. We were sitting on the couch. Your memory is amazing. And you started crying and you grabbed my hand and you said, I just don't want her to die. I know. And I, I actually... I had kind of been through a bit of a tragedy before that with mm-hmm. my, I, nothing compared to losing a mom, but losing. And I remember I was already at this place where I couldn't, I knew I couldn't guarantee that she wouldn't. So I, the last thing I was going to say was, don't worry, she won't. Because mm-hmm. I feel like even at that, at fifth grade, you know, like nobody can guarantee that. Yeah. You'd, so you didn't say I that. I didn't say that. I just grabbed your hand and just said, I know. Oh my gosh. That's so sad. Oh yeah. We spent the night at my house and I think you had an ear infection after that. And then I was at a band competition and your mom approached me and she's like, what'd you do to my daughter? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. So did you think that when you found out that my mom had cancer, that your mom would get cancer? Like, did that ever cross your mind? No. You know, because of what happened, I had lost a daycare provider who was my mom's best friend and her daughter, who was my best friend in a car accident when I was going into fourth grade. It was the summer between third and fourth grade. And I actually had kind of like a mental health breakdown at the time of anxiety of recognizing that life was very, um, short. Yeah. Uh, like something good, bad could happen any moment. Mm-hmm. So kind of in my weird fucked up, is it okay that I say mm-hmm. that? Okay. We are explicit. Mm-hmm. In my weird fucked up brain, I was already at this point of like anything bad could happen anytime to anyone including my own mother or anybody else's mother, yeah. or my sister or you or, you know, I was already like living in this. It's a really young age to be yeah. acquainted with that. Yeah. But I also feel like that's a real prepared mind. Yeah. It's a morbid mind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm a nurse now. So there's just like more morbidity all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Always planning for the worst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what were some of your favorite things about my mom when you knew her? Um, She was like... The coolest, hippish chick I know. I mean, she had the coolest fashion sense. She was like who you looked at when she was in the room because she had this amazing dark curly hair and, I don't know, bright colors all the time and the coolest items, the coolest things that I can still picture perfectly in my head. Coats and jewelries. Yeah. Stuff like that. I think she went into major debt. Uh, She had a lot of credit cards (laughs) and that stuff. I'm just going to (laughs) say. It takes a lot to look good, you know? Not, she like prided herself Dolly Parton on that. says, takes a lot of money to look this cheap. <laughs> Which she didn't look cheap, but I'm just saying that's one of my favorite quotes of all time. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, she was just this, she was so hip. Like, just so cool. I remember being a bit jealous of that because 
my mom, who's super, super awesome as far as a mom goes, but she's pretty not hip in the fashion sense. Track suits. <laughs> Track suits. And, I mean, she shopped at Shopco because we had one in Pipestone or yeah. Pomida or whatever. Pomida. Or Pomida yeah. became Shopco. Uh-huh. God love you, Mom. But I'm not gonna run walk the runway anytime soon. No, that's okay. You yep, know, we that's all okay. have our yep. Mm-hmm. She brought us water and snacks. Yep. Every it wasn't just like Beck's water that she brought for tennis. Because with Beck and I were te- tennis doubles, it'd be like, here girls, here's your water. And it'd be this biggest thing of water ever. Cause I just obviously couldn't bring my own water, apparently. I really couldn't. Well, so I just was like, Janie's got the water. Yeah, she 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 became like I'll make sure she's got all the things. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I did talk about this on the pod too, about family and friends yeah. that way. Yeah. So how do you feel like in terms of our friendship, what strengths have come from it and like what struggles that we've had from my loss? It's going to be hard for me, honestly, to feel like there was a struggle. And I know that sounds so, like, cheesy and cliche. Like, you don't have struggles. Which, I mean, every relationship goes through things. But I just don't remember ever actually having a struggle with that your mom died. Like, I remember feeling like I wanted to do all the right things. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be there to talk when you wanted to talk, but not pressure you to talk if you didn't want to. So that, I will say that. I struggled in my own mind of how to be the right friend when you needed it. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to know that for sure. So honestly, I th- and I've talked to you about this, Shad, but what's interesting is that I, this podcast, because I've listened to all the episodes, this podcast has almost made me question more sense. Not in a bad way. I'm just saying that now when I hear all you ladies speak about things that affected you that I think some people maybe wouldn't have known affected negatively. Yeah, of course. It made me think back on like, what could I have possibly done that maybe was one of those moments for you? Mm-hmm. And it gave me a little anxiety in that way. But I also feel like we're so honest with each other that you would have probably told me that. Yeah, absolutely. I would have. Yeah. And honestly, it's not like as much as I say, you know, I didn't talk about it. People didn't talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it. Like I was yeah. so uncomfortable. I wasn't taught in my household to talk about it. Right. And therefore I was just closed down. And yeah, like if you would have been like, Shadia, let's sit down and talk about yeah. your mom. I would have been like, shut the F up. Totally. I figured you would just say it when you were ready to say it. And I remember when you were ready to say it. I know we, we had a couple mix-ups on this podcast recording thing. So we already <laughs> talked about this, but I'll say it again. So <laughs> So yeah, Hattie died when we were in seventh grade and it's not that we didn't talk about your mom because it was like, I was never going to do that. I was never going to like pretend she didn't exist, you know, Mm -hmm. or that would have been just all wrong in my brain, but I wasn't going to make you talk about things, you know, by any means or, or, or call you out like that. Why don't you tell me about, you know, like, but we were on our way home from a party when we were like juniors. It was like a summertime and it was like probably midnight and all of a sudden, out of the blue, driving this dark country road. There's like no, you know, so remember how dark oh, that was? So, we, so dark because there's I don't no know lights. What, I don't even know what that's like anymore. Yeah, I know. You know? And all of a sudden you said, did I ever tell you about the day my mom died? And I, you know, I just was like, no, but I would love to hear about it. You know, if, if you're, you know, and you, yeah, you told me all about it. And I felt like that was like a, okay, we did this. Like we got here and yeah. now, you know things I think felt easier after that. I, but I felt then it gave me the right to talk about more because yes. I felt then that you showed me you were ready to do that. So, and I mean, as far as the strength that has come from, 
I think anytime you walk through something hard with somebody, it just makes your friendships, your relationship stronger because you've been through something together and you've helped somebody when they needed it and vice versa. I mean, you see each other at your best and worst, so they're in there's nothing else to fear anymore with the fr- with friendship, with the relationship, I think. That's so true. Like, when we see each other as our low, it's like, well, yeah. this, this is the worst. Are you going to still stay here for this? And we've seen each other at that. So that's mm-hmm. why I f- never feel pressured to be anything other than what I am right at that moment mm-hmm. with you. Because you've seen all the worst of it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And the same with me. Hopefully there's no worse to come. Dear God. Oh, there will be. Life is long. Oh, thank you for that quick reminder. Miss morbidity. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay, well, I love you. I love you too. for doing this. Hopefully it worked this time in our recording. Yeah, we'll find out. Mm -hmm. Oh, were we supposed to say favorite thing memory? Did I do that? Oh, shit. (laughs) We already said it once. So in our head, we've done this already. Okay. So say your favorite memory. My favorite memory was making cookies with your mom, and we fucked it up so bad. They fell apart. They went through the, what's it called, um, cooling rack. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't stay whole. And we didn't. We do not know. Why weren't we they on. on a pan? They were on a pan, but when we took them off the pan to put them on the cooling rack. Oh, the cooling rack. Like, they would I not stay that. whole. And they were super delicious, but they were completely fucked. Yeah. And your mom was laughing and kind of yelling in the funny way. And then she screamed in triumph when we got one whole one. And we were, it was awesome. It was, it was a fun day. I love it. And us playing Pretty Pretty Princess and her bringing apples and peanut butter into your bedroom. <laughs> she let me have food in my bedroom. Yeah. Oh we were playing Pretty Pretty gosh. Princess. And I'd never had that snack before. My mom is not like, you know, she you would never not. You apples and peanut butter? I do now all the time because you're yeah. your mom. But like my mom, you don't put the combo together. <laughs> She's not. Come on. That's so hip. <laughs> so hip. Yeah. So, oh God, okay. Now it. I think we've done all of our time. Now we checked the list. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. I love you. I love you. My name is Mira, and I am Sarah's best friend from childhood. Um, and we know each other because we were born at the same time. We were born three days apart. And uh, Sarah's mom took care of us when we were infants. I think she had been my sister's preschool teacher, which was how she and my mom became friends. We met before Becky died, and Becky was very much like a mother figure to me for that little piece of our lives. What else am I supposed to say? (laughs) So beautiful. So, (laughs) yay. I don't think we've ever talked about this. So. You know what I was, I, the this question of like something we struggled with, I was thinking about this one because I was remembering, like, I feel like there was this feeling that I wasn't supposed to bring it up. I wasn't supposed to bring up your mom. I wasn't supposed to bring up being sad. Like I was supposed to be fun and like an escape <laughs> from no. sad things. And I feel like that was a, like, I was supposed to be your fun entertainment. That was the feeling I remember, which probably meant that I wasn't super open with you. But but we had a lot of fun. (laughs) And, like, I don't think it was really a bad thing. It just meant that when we were together, I felt like it was my responsibility to keep things light and funny. And I was supposed to be kind of a clown for you. (laughs) You totally were. (laughs) It was so that's crazy. I had no idea. 
Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Did Dude, someone tell you that or did you just feel that? I feel like I just felt that. I don't know if I, I don't know if I was told that. And I don't want to say it was just that situation. I'm sure I felt like I was supposed to play that role for my sister who went through a lot more as kids than I did. And I don't remember talking to you that much about loss, about, about your mom, even like sometimes we would, but not in a mourning kind of way, more of a, like, she was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I know. Well, I think it's weird because like, you know, we have so many home videos of us when we Mm -hmm. were little. And so like around the time, like I was recently watching some that your mom had like uploaded to Mm -hmm. cloud or something like, which is so cool. But the, there was one of us, it must have been like not that long after she died because I feel like I looked like I was maybe five and we were dancing. Like we were putting on a little dance performance in your living room and like I was talking about my mom and it just so like matter-of-factly and you would never have known that she just died. Like it's so weird. Like I was just like, yes, I'm wearing – I had like something of hers and I was like, yes, I'm like, I'm wearing this and like this, like I would talk about her yeah. and then I, I got the same message you did in a sense where it was like, I didn't feel like I could talk about her or it because it made people sad. But I also remember not wanting to talk about it in, in like a sad way, but also maybe right. talking about it in any way would have felt sad. And I was just wanting to avoid that. I, yeah, I just don't remember. I don't remember well enough to know how other people were treating us about it. Like, I just don't know. I remember the only thing I remember from your mom's funeral was trying to make you laugh, like during it. And you were like behind your dad's legs or something. And I was like goofing around trying to make you laugh, which I'm like, where is that a real memory? Because we were really young. I don't know. Yeah, no, there's there's video footage. Of, oh, really? Of the funeral. And I think I remember seeing, I definitely remember watching it. Like, I remember that I was playing because that mm-hmm. really stuck out. I mean, that felt very powerful. Like, just the idea that a child, you know, is like playing at their own parents' funeral because they're so young, they don't even, right. like, can't fully grasp what's going on. And I think I learned in school somewhere along the line that like they, you know, they'll change the subject or they, kids are known to be like distractors or, you know, they get (laughs) Sufi, they get silly and goofy, like you're describing as a way to cope themselves with feeling like uncomfortable. It's like a, it's a coping strategy and it's not bad. Right. Right. I'm not saying it was a bad thing, but I do feel like it impacted our friendship. How so? And I don't know. I guess I was just thinking like, I do, it, I'm not sure that I shared that much with you. Like, I think we would talk about our lives, but I don't know that I would have like put heavy things on you ever. What? Yeah. Oh. Which I, isn't, it hasn't been bad. Like, I'm not saying that we're not close or that. I don't know, or that I wouldn't now, 
tell you about something that was going on with me. But I just, I feel like there was that kind of barrier of like, I'm not supposed to be the one who has a problem. Oh, I can see that. I do see that too with like the, like you're saying before, I don't think it was all me (laughs) that created that Uh -uh. dynamic. But yes, the focus very much was on, I mean, it was very apparent, I'm sure to you at that young age that like really serious bad stuff was like happening to other people. And to like, it must be so confusing to even know how to respond to that. I mean, I think it just is like a scale thing, right? It was like, oh my God, really bad things can happen to people. Nothing that bad has happened to me, (laughs) right? Like it makes you feel like, oh, the scale of your problems is smaller than the scale of potential problems, which I know is like a thing of people like uh, minimizing their own issues and all of that. And so I don't want to say... It's because of this situation entirely. I just am saying like, that's a really big example of something going wrong in your life that I saw and experienced as a four-year-old, you know, like that was, so then everything else, I'm like, well, it's not as bad as that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like the bar, (laughs) everything is measured against. It's just, wow. You know, there's a version of young childhood friendship where you grow up and you aren't friends anymore. And that was never going to happen to us because it felt like we were a family who had lost something together. Oh. <laughs> so you know what I mean, though? It's yeah. like, it's not, it, it didn't feel like you were going through something independently of me and my family. It was all of us going through something. And, you know, the idea of us being distinct entities that could drift apart even though I know you and I haven't always been super close or like, you know, in each other's lives every day, but I don't think the possibility of not knowing you has ever, <laughs> has never been on the table, you know, like we we're like family we, there's no sense of that even, I don't know, no glimmer of the possibility of not continuing to be close friends. Totally. Yeah. The bond that is created from circumstances like that. And we actually, it's interesting because we recorded an episode about intimate relationships where other people were describing having this connection with like the like partners or like boyfriends they were with because like Mm -hmm. their moms died during that time. And just like you were that to me, like you were my closest (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you were my partner, literally right. best buds. Like our, we had the t-shirts made. Yeah. You were very much like my <laughs> sister. You were best my, buds. Yeah. We even, I don't know if I should share this, but you know, we, what? we tried to pee at the same time. On the toilet. Like <laughs> we, we did everything together. So yeah, it's just occurring to me like how crazy that must have been to experience like the loss of my mom, like for you. What I, I mean, I don't remember it. You know what I mean? I think of it as I do, I remember it, but I don't remember the feeling of loss in an acute way at all. It just feels like something that had always happened, even though I remember before it, it's like you the, know what I mean? It's like literally the best like description I've heard of that. Wow. 
I'm going to have to go back and quote that. <laughs> that was, that's exactly how I feel as well. There is no acute right. recollection. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want this for your podcast, but I will say going through, like now I have a partner who I was with when her mom died. Mm-hmm. And going through that experience, I think brought up a lot of this as well. It was like, oh, this, like, it is acute when you're an adult. It, you understand it in a different way. But the, like, underlying idea that, like, oh, this is going to, nothing's going to be the same, right? Like, this is a, this, <laughs> like, this is a, a underlying shift in existing in the world is to lose your mom. I think I understood, like, that is still true. And that still feels true. And it doesn't make it easier to know that like the acuteness is so much more vivid as an adult. But I think going through it with her has, I don't know. It just made me think more about what that must've been like for everyone around us when we were kids. Totally. And bringing all that stuff back up. Cause like you're saying, Mm -hmm. it's so much harder to be an adult And to know what's going on. Like being a kid, I remember I used to think I was like so resilient. You know, kids are so resilient, which they they truly are, but a big part of that is because they they don't they don't have the capacity to um to understand certain I mean, I don't want to like put them down. I feel like it's partially like you don't feel the the responsibility of it. Like your understanding of how things happen feels matter of fact when you're a kid and when you're an adult you're kind of like what could I be doing how could I be doing more how could I be helping how could this have been different when you're a kid you don't question how things are at all you're just like this is how it is as a child I definitely felt like it was my responsibility yeah to be the parent like a lot more Mm -hmm. and not just because my mom died, but because I had a dad who, like, as you know, was not, you know, he was super fun at times, but not like a responsible parent figure. Yeah. And I could sense that even as a child. I know. I remember that feeling being like, I don't know if this is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did stuff like that because I was probably doing stuff he did that was like not right. And I feel like you would, I just remember forcing you to watch scary movies. I I know. I remember watching Chucky in your basement. (laughs) I've never recovered. Like that is seriously traumatizing. I'm so sorry. Uh. That was me imposing my pain on you at a very (laughs) young age. I was like, you have to suffer through these horror films with me. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing that our friendship has struggled with most then. That was mean. I hate scary movies to this day. I hate them now. (laughs) That was awful for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. I was like a sociopath. I was like, I don't care if you're scared. Watch it. Uh, Yeah. It's fine. The bossiness is still there, though. I'm still <laughs> super bossy, and I don't know what that's about. Yeah, and that could just be your personality, Sarah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Possibly. So do you have a favorite memory 
or right. thing yeah, about more. Becky? I don't know if I have actual memories of her or if I just have stories and videos. Story of my life. <laughs> so, like, I associate her with kiwis. Me too! Why, <laughs> really? Are you serious? Yeah. I don't know why. She must have fed us kiwis. <laughs> I literally... In, okay, that's crazy you say that because I've been to like various motherless daughters, like workshop type things. Mm-hmm. And we've been asked like to bring in like a food. I think it was a food. Yeah. That represents our mom. And I brought in kiwi. What? Yeah. Huh. Like, or just maybe I brought in something that looks like kiwi 100% reminds me of my mom too. That's so crazy. I mean, uh, yeah. it clearly means she fed us kiwis. <laughs> How how can we solve this mystery? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I associate her with kiwis. Um, I also, like, I think this is just a video I have seen the most times, but there's that video in my backyard uh, when we were maybe two or three, maybe three, I don't know, uh, where it's your mom and dad are there and my dad is cooking dinner and we're, like, playing in the sandbox and on the swings and stuff. And, um, I think my dad says, like, is talking about what he's cooking for dinner and he's like, and I'm going to, I'm going to make a poblano pesto. And your mom is just like, Oh, I love pesto. I love <laughs> pesto. And I just have this feeling watching the, the video where I'm like, Oh, she might not like that pesto. Cause that's a spicy pepper version of a pesto. But she just keeps saying, like, I love pesto. And that video, I don't know why that is the home movie that sticks with me most intensely, but it does. Oh, that's amazing. Um, And then it, uh, memory, I mean, I remember her making us those shirts. Wait, she made those shirts? I thought my dad made them. I don't, I don't know, though. That's just... I don't know either of them. Neither of us know. One thing I know that she made was those uh, like two liter soda containers taped together with the like swirly um, the tornado or the, the it's like a twister. Like a, yeah, it's like you spin it around and then it's a bunch of glitter and it makes a tornado. Yes, I remember we, her making those with us, and I thought that was so cool. Yes, those were so cool. We made those. I think that was at a birthday party. Mm. Oh, I remember your birthday party with the ponies. Yeah, Was that, was your mom there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was like, okay, because yeah, I later was told, well, I don't know if I was, I put together that she knew, I don't know if she for sure knew she was going to die, but she had cancer because that was the last birthday I had with her. And so it makes sense to me now as to why I had ponies. (laughs) <laughs> at my party because I was like it was a really exciting birthday it was a really yeah I've had a lot of special birthdays in my life because my mom died so <laughs> that's a perk yeah great worth yeah, it totally totally worth it no that was a fun birthday party though and I remember it well and I think your cake also had a pony on it oh I don't remember that but I will trust you <laughs> Oh, I apparently only remember food. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite memories, kiwis, and cake. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I don't know. I feel like I remember her as being someone who was around and I could go to. You know, like if I hurt myself, I could go to Becky and 
be like, oh, and then she would be like, Sarah, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Sarah, so you lost like your, your one buffer against me. She was your oh. protection. I know. She probably – she was like the only person who – could hold me accountable and I guess I didn't take it as a threat right it's weird yeah it's I mean I remember like if I think about the other preschool teachers that we had I was like afraid of most of them Mm -hmm. you know teachers are scary so scary and I never had that feeling with your mom and I know that I knew her from the time I was born but I, I just remember her being like the kind of authority that was going to give you a hug, you know? (laughs) That's the best. I want to strive to be that. Right. Thank you so much, Mm -hmm. Mira. This is so nice. It was nice. And there you have it. Those are our friendship interviews that we all did with some of our best friends. Thanks for listening, you guys, and be sure to tune in next week. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming with episode 13, all about our senses and how we remember and connect to our mothers through our physical senses. You can email the podcast at connect at piecesofyoupodcast.com. You can visit our website, piecesofyoupodcast.com, for links to everything we mentioned on the show. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pieces of You Podcast. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please feel free and leave us a review and connect with us there as well. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. And remember, if we work together, we can make the broken better. When you feel like you need glue to put back pieces of you, then we will work together to make the broken better when the wounds are fresh and new and you don't think that they'll heal soon you gotta stay open if you share your story it will get better though it doesn't feel like ever and you'll get stronger it's a journey we'll get through together for